Hello, welcome back to Culture Dumps. I'm Ryan Lichten. And I'm Parks Miller. Now, this is Vanilla Ice Part 2. Uh, so, where we left off, Vanilla Ice is on top of the world. Uh, he came from humble beginnings, rose to superstardom. His management team kind of changed his image. Like we said, he he had a deal with, with Def Jam that was going to go through, but he took a deal with SBK for a, a little bit of a bigger paycheck. They completely changed his image to be more like MC Hammer uh, and... Almost overnight, he went from being this like respected like white rapper, which was like you know mind boggling to folks back then, yeah. to kind of a laughing stock because he was a cookie cutter, you know, copy yeah. of literally another human. Yeah, a respected underground, kind of quickly right. Like he rose to fame so quickly, and so part of it is that yeah, there are accounts of uh, other rappers, black artists respecting him, but his rise to fame was so quick that it kind of, you really just think about the vanilla ice with the crazy hair and the ice ice baby and the, the teeny bopper. You sound like, you know, yeah. with the hair and the ice ice baby. You know, yeah. Polly Walnuts describing fucking uh, <laughs> vanilla ice here. But yeah, uh, you know, he, he went from being kind of a, like a, a pretty respected rapper to like a teen idol like very, very quickly. And that kind of changes the whole perception of him. And, you know, like we said, if he had gone with the Def Jam, you know, deal, who knows how different the story yeah. could have been. I just really he's kind of like it's kind of like Justin Bieber a little bit. But Justin Bieber has managed to be sort of a mega star for much longer. But I feel like he kind of it's that thing where we're talking about like the white boy thing like i feel like that's what justin bieber like he didn't start a rapper obviously but i feel like there was this period where justin bieber was like real kind of like did a vanilla ice thing yeah like, no trying sure to be, trying I mean, to be like other, really you know, hard there, you know there, there, there's a, there's plenty of examples about that i mean we broke it down on the last one the difference between like a white rapper and a white boy rapper and right. uh, another thing that all these guys have in common is they all seem to love reggae which is uh, yeah. we, we were just discussing, and that'll come up a little bit later. Uh, also, Parks, let, let me just say, uh, went a little crazy with all them, all those samples last week. No, I didn't uh, know you were going to put those in there, but I, I, <laughs> <laughs> every, like that—that's the fun of listening to your own yeah. voice for an hour. You know, is you never know what you're gonna what you're gonna get. Yeah, I did, I told you I was gonna. I don't know why. I just I was like, man, for some reason, all these Eminem songs just keep popping in my head. Uh, uh, the white rapper the, thing, man. But Eminem, yeah. white rapper, not a white boy rapper. We discussed this mm -hmm. uh, at, at length. So let's do it. Go Ninja, go Ninja gone, uh, as, as I said on the previous episode. But now we're there. So let me uh, get settled in here. Now, not long after Ice Ice Baby shot to number one on the charts, Vanilla Ice started to learn that things aren't always so great when you're on top. As his success and fame grew to monumental proportions, so did the critical backlash against him. In showbiz, there was an old saying, there's no such thing as bad press. Well, in the case mm -hmm. of Vanilla Ice, nothing could be further from the truth. Mm -hmm. The first serious problem that arose from his newfound superstardom were the highly publicized accusations that Vanilla Ice had stolen the Ice Ice Baby riff from Queen and David Bowie. Bitter music journalists noticed that the artists responsible for the now iconic sample were not credited on the album. They used this as proof that Vanilla Ice was plagiarizing another song. Now, this is a total clear example of Vanilla Ice just like catching heat. Like he didn't make the beat, you know, mm -hmm. but 
he did uh, defend it in like the worst way possible, but we'll get to that. <laughs> of course. Yeah, uh, that's a very famous clip we'll play in a bit. Yeah, um, it, yeah. It, this sampling at this time, I think we talked about last episode as well. It was just like sort of a new frontier of music and people didn't really know. Um, you know, it started, hip hop started literally as DJs mixing records together. So it was kind of always in the sort of the DNA of hip hop. Uh, it's just once people started making millions of dollars that I was like, hey, I think if my hugely obvious baseline is present, like that is yeah. fundamental. Like, I mean, that is part of why you recognize the song. I mean, I didn't like I was I don't know if just for me, like I heard Ice Ice Baby way before Under Pressure because I of, think I did, just, too. <laughs> you know, just because we're that age. Fuck. Right. Um, and it's only later when you're like, oh, I'm going to like dig back into music history. But obviously, for many people, it was the exact opposite because Under Pressure was a huge hit. So it'd be like, hey, that sounds incredibly familiar. Um, also, just want to say to MC Hammer, you know, you can't touch this Rick James Super Freak. Yeah, uh, we talked about this, that as yeah. well. Um, and then there was also there was a really the Tone Loke wild thing. Oh yeah, sampled uh, Van Halen. Uh, what was it? Jamie's crying. Oh right, and, right. Uh, and that well, was and also I mean, like if a you big really want to get to like settlement. the history of of like true sampling like when it was like at its like core you have mm -hmm. walked this way from run dmc but they actually had to use the band <laughs> like right you know what i mean like they couldn't like do the full sample because the technology wasn't there so they had to bring in the actual band you know well, with, no, the, te with, the technology was there i think that that was just like also you know that's it's funny because that's sort of credit that that's what i call one of those like rolling stone moments where it's like there's like this disproportionate amount of emphasis placed on run dmc aerosmith walk this way as being this huge cultural moment and i wasn't there so maybe i'm talking out my ass but it feel it's just like it's like that's when hip-hop was really celebrated and maybe just because you watch the video like this shit's so fucking goofy so it's yeah. hard to like <laughs> totally. to recognize it now uh but yeah it, it, i guess in some ways because there also could have been like a sense of these older rock musicians being like hey like i don't know if i like these younger black people, whatever, like using my music. So for having Aerosmith, you know, in the actual video, I guess did right. kind of represent this sort of like, wow, it's really this these two genres. It's are okay like, because are, are, are Aerosmith are said together. rap is okay. Also, <laughs> just for a note of music nerddom, is that this is when Aerosmith uh, all went like super sober because they had been like very, very addicted to drugs and kind of hit like a right. creative bottom and then they got sober and were like oh shit we gotta like make a ton of money and then that's kind of like the aerosmith you know now is like the sober aerosmith who is kind of like we have got to like make the most money as possible and then they isn't it weird how that works out that uh when they stop doing drugs they start doing really really well it's really strange it's the strangest <laughs> thing it's like there's a kind of connection between yeah. not doing so much drugs and being successful. I, I couldn't tell you what it was. Yeah. So, well, let's get back to it. And also, you know, it, real quick, it is important to realize that Vanilla Ice, you know, he had gone through the whole thing of needing to prove himself and all that, but he really didn't have any exposure to like true like haters yet, you know, and that's going to mm -hmm. hit him like a ton of bricks very, very quickly. 
So the combination of major publications outing the lack of credit to Queen and Bowie, plus the sheer volume play of Ice Ice Baby was getting too much for lawyers to ignore. After some closed doors litigation, Queen and David Bowie were named co-writers of the song and awarded a hefty payout to the tune of $4 million. Well, Damn. none of this was Vanilla Ice's fault. He was directly targeted for the mishap, and during one faithful interview, he said possibly the dumbest thing he could have in his defense. Uh, like it goes ding, 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 diggy, ding, 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 diggy, ding, ding. That's the way theirs goes. Ours goes ding, 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 diggy, ding, 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 diggy, ding, ding. That little bitty change. It's not the same. That's like a legendary yeah. uh, clip right there. Like I Very, feel like everyone's yeah. seen that if you're like our age or like within mm -hmm. within the time bracket. But also like the four million dollars that came from a, this is a you know like we said on the last episode. There's a lot of things that have been reported different ways throughout the years. I think a lot of it was Vanilla Ice trying to defend himself at any cost, and then him getting a little bit more lax on you know what information he wanted out there, um, and also other people coming out of the woodwork and telling their sides. But apparently, Vanilla Ice just bought the publishing rights to the song because it was cheaper than settling the lawsuit or giving them royalties. But mm -hmm. DJ Earthquake, who made the beat, claims that Queen and Bowie were awarded eighty-five percent of the royalties. Jesus. Um, but Tommy Kwan, you know, the manager and the, the founder of the club or Vanilla Ice got to start, the guy that is responsible for this whole thing, essentially. Uh, he said that when they made the song, he knew that it would come back and bite them in the ass. But he assumed that by the time that happened, they would be able to pay it off. And he was right. Yeah. Um, I'm also I feel like and I don't I have I wasn't able to, like, find for certain that Vanilla Ice owns the rights to Under Pressure. I, I don't know. I don't. I, I, I got that from an interview that that he did with uh, with the Ringer. He claims it, but part of me is like, I don't really like. I don't know. Like I, you I, have I the rights to a fucking Queen and David Bowie song. Yeah, I mean, and there's been famous publishing. Uh, you know, famously Michael Jackson bought the entire Beatles catalog uh, right. back in the '80s, um, which is just insane to think about how much money you'd be making if in addition to already owning all of your own music. Yeah, in, in addition Michael to having Michael Jackson, Jackson and then you have all, the Beatles. You know. So, I, I mean, if that's true, I guess he would be uh, making a ton of money, but I have seen things from like a spokesperson from Queen saying that it's not true. So I don't, again, I mean, right. I will say sometimes in the Vanilla Ice story, I mean, sometimes the thing, the stories kind of, they don't always match up every time and we're going to see how this this definitely plays into his credibility uh especially in a genre in a time where credibility mattered a lot um, right i also just wanted to yeah go back to that the clip the dun 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 you know like <laughs> i feel like that's that's the one that you know because i was also not of the age to actually be around when you know i was like four years old or whatever when ice ice baby came out but I remember, again, we've talked about VH1 many times, all of their countdowns and rock history stuff. And obviously, yeah. Ryan and I love that shit. And um, I remember definitely seeing the clip of him. And he's, you know, he's saying, he's like, they're different samples. They sound so closely identical. Yes, there's that one note. And then he does this little smirk. Like, he's like, like he I know that they're the same song. And I remember, you know, being a young 
you know, like a teenager watching, be like, wow, what an asshole. You know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> this guy totally sucks. Um, and it's only now that we're kind of, uh, doing this episode that I'm like finding a lot of sympathy for him, which we'll kind of get into later. Yeah. I mean, it's, he, he was a total puppet, you know what I mean? And he knew it though. Well, while it was happening, but he, it, it, you know, the train was moving too fast. You know, you can't, you can't get off the ride if it's already. And, and that's, that's like the Millie Vanilli where it's like, and I guess in, because in, you know, obviously Millie Vanilli is kind of getting the brunt of all of the um, accusations of, you know, the what's the oh, lip syncing and like they're not who they say they are. Well, obviously there was like a producer who's like sort of masterminding this. Um, but I will say also part in part, you know, there is a degree of like, but yeah, you also want to be the one you want to be the one like no one knows who that right producer is no one knows who tommy kwan is like you got you want to be that guy you want to yeah. be vanilla ice so yes technically he didn't like make the beat you know but obviously he is involved in it but also saying what he said was not a great defense and i guess that's what's so weird it's just the the landscape of music where it like i don't know it's just authenticity seemed to be like a a higher like the the definition of authenticity back in the day seemed to be way higher of like right it was yeah like a much I mean nowadays no one gives a fucking shit if everything sounds the same and everything's copied and like it's kind of more it, celebrated to be like oh wow you you threw that reference in like that I like cool. all things like this be, being being like self refer being referential is actually a sort of a thing but like back then yeah it just seemed like being original and I mean I really love sampling so you know. It's a yeah. great sample. It it would it wouldn't even be a good song if it wasn't for it. But also the the sampling back in the day though, like like the Ice Ice Baby was literally taking like like you're essentially just rapping over another song. Like it's not yeah. like nowadays where you take like the bass from this song, the drums from this, you know, and and make a whole new composition. Yeah. Like you're literally just taking the whole song <laughs> and to, then to making me, it your own. The person to me that like has always sort of bothered me was like Puff Daddy, Diddy, P Diddy, Love, whatever you want to call him. Like <laughs> some of some that. of those songs that he does, like after Notorious B.I.G. died, are just some of the most blatant, just like looping. Like the song for Biggie, the Every Breath You Take. Right. Yeah. It's like, dude, they're just rapping over a song that is like not a good song to rap over. And like, sure, maybe you can't talk shit because it's like about his friend. But some of yeah. some of those some of those uh, late '90s Diddy produced beats are I feel like some of the just most obvious like let's loop a disco song yeah like the one he did for Godzilla where where it's Cashmere from Led Zeppelin yeah yeah and he got Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin to play on it and I was like does that make it better I don't that's know. the walk this way of our generation <laughs> yeah the Godzilla soundtrack <laughs> yeah with oh Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Uh, so besides the Queen Bowie debacle, Ice's personal history was also being examined under the microscope of the press. As we stated in the last episode, Vanilla Ice was never really about repping his neighborhood or even using his past in his art. Despite being as famous as he was, Ice tried to remain relatively private, especially when it came to his background. Not because he was afraid of what people would think, but because he wasn't necessarily proud of his origins and aimed to look towards the future rather than focusing on the past. The folks at SBK Records, along with Tommy Kwan, worked together to build a slick bio for Vanilla Ice that would be the go-to for journalists asking about his backstory. The bio claimed that he was a gang member, an international motocross champion, and high school buddies with Uncle Luke from Two Live Crew. 
among many, many other exaggerations. Now, Vanilla Ice claims that he was unaware of the discrepancies in his bio. While this perfectly crafted biography kept journalists and fans happy for a while, it would be some of his actual high school buddies that would poke devastating holes in the Vanilla Ice persona. It's like... Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, like the, the way that they make him sound is like... It, he was fine. Like, you know, he, he got in yeah. fights. He proved himself in a nightclub that, yeah. like, you know, like, he but had public had to- enemy repping him, Ice-T. Uh, right. They didn't need to say he was a gang member, and he went to yeah. high school with two live crew. And, like, yeah. but well, what we're going to find a, is there is a, a little bit yeah. of truth to all of that, but it's just the way it was formulated. And then, of course, all the heat is going to come down on Vanilla Ice, not the people who are making up these tall tales about him. It's all, yeah, it's just like embellished. Sorry, I have to go back to the Godzilla soundtrack. <laughs> have you heard the Green Day song that they did? No. Um, so it's the For song. For Godzilla? Well, they just took their famous song, Brain Stew. You know, the one that's like, darn it. Yeah. Darn it. And they just do that. But then they just add a bunch of Godzilla screams on top of it. <laughs> sampling dude they're sampling godzilla it's super weird it's and it's actually credited on the album as green stay green day featuring godzilla wow so dude. i think godzilla actually got a check from that oh yeah no well i mean godzilla's got mad money dude it's um, fucking godzilla but anyway yeah sorry that's not uh talking <laughs> yeah. About, <laughs> yeah, yeah thank you for that godzilla <laughs> was from the streets he was in a gang too Yeah, and a motocross champion, um, just like Vanilla Ice. Now, in late 1990, a journalist working for the Dallas Morning Newspaper, uh, which is literally just called Dallas Morning News, uh, this reporter named Ken Parrish Perkins received a call from a couple of guys claiming to be Vanilla Ice's high school friends. After some quick investigating, he was able to confirm the identities of the callers, and he began to chip away at the Vanilla Ice block. The article Ooh. by Parrish was released on November 18th, 1990, just two weeks and a day after Ice Ice Baby became the first rap song to hit number one. The so article, quick. What? Just like so quick, like rapid fire. Oh, right there. I mean, yeah. I, I'm going to break down the timeline of how fast all this shit happened yeah. to him, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow your mind, make your head spin. Uh, the article not only exposed the many lies in the label-produced Vanilla Ice bio, but also highlighted irrelevant misunderstandings between the press and Ice. For instance, Vanilla Ice had said in an interview that his mother taught piano at a university or a college. The truth was she taught piano at a community college. So it was like, he fucking said that she fucking taught piano at a university but it's a fucking community college what else is he lying about it's like bro Mm -hmm. vanilla ice dropped out of school in 10th grade he might not even know the difference right right (laughs) like like legitimately at that time you know uh as far as ice attending high school with uncle luke the truth was that he had told a reporter at some point that he went to the same high school that uncle luke did which was true however not at the same time as their age difference should have been enough for any reporter to realize that that was the case a 10-year age difference okay there's no way they were in high school together he went to the same high school as a guy and everyone just tore that apart but above all else The most damaging revelation of the article was the discovery of Vanilla Ice's real name, Robert Van Winkle. Mm, Yeah. Never recovered from the Winkle. Uh, Yeah. Once you go Winkle. Van Winkle. Son of Rip. 
Yeah, <laughs> Van Winkle, son of Rip. That could be a that's that should have been his uh, fucking whole angle. Yeah, son of Rip is kind of cool. <laughs> but uh, but Jeez. yeah, I mean, basically, it's like what it, again? The whole thing is that it was just like a very it was a very miscalculated move. They should have just and I feel like that's another thing that maybe is different these days. Is like now like you can just be like the biggest like anime nerd and be like this like badass rapper right you know like at the time there was there was so much more of this like you gotta be like this tough fucking dude you know like he was was, though he fought all the time he got stabbed yeah he got stabbed five fucking times you know but like like, again like in the bat in the with ice ice baby you know compared to like nwa it doesn't (laughs) seem it doesn't like it's almost like the way that someone who maybe makes completely non-threatening sounding music might have like a complete like like fucking Scatman John, dude. Like Scatman John got like his ass beat and like bullied by people for <laughs> stuttering, and then he just makes like Scatman's world. You know, like nothing about his music <laughs> would kind of let you know that he's actually had it tough. And like Vanilla Ice could have almost been like that. Because he didn't really even make... He wasn't making aggressive music at this point anyway. And it could have almost been like, oh, yeah, like I've had it really shitty and I'm making like just positive music. Yeah, no, he just wanted to party, dude. You know, it, it's it's party music. He's a party rapper. You used to be able to just have fun, you know? Back in the uh, day, you have fun. Yeah, back when, you know, when white rappers were white rappers, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, now it's like you can... People be like, oh, yeah, like... I don't know. I feel like now it's less about um, where you come from, though. I will say most people aren't necessarily like jumping to tell you that, you know, their parents make like a million dollars. Sure. That's how they're yeah. able to sustain a career. That one still hasn't changed. But I think people don't really care as much. And yeah, like, like in, in most circles. I think you know? so. I think like, so. That, that's the thing. But anyways, there was no going back after this article came out. It spread like wildfire. It went national within a day, um, maybe two days, and it was all over the place. Uh, every respectable music news outlet was skewering him. And within months, he went from being the most celebrated new artist on the planet to the music world's punching bag yeah i mean maybe this is like little pump or something in a way because what happened to that like again i've been like i feel like he's a dump little dump (laughs) but like come on it's already been how many years right yeah, I I don't know. There's a lot of right? uh, hasn't it already been the, like the five rap years? world is too full of dumps at this point. Like you've always talked about Takashi Six Nine as like a major dump. Yeah, yeah. But like yeah. Lil Pump, I feel like people just were with a character like Vanilla Ice, and that happening, there is a a need for it. There's a demand for like, oh shit, this dude's lying or something, and it's like yeah. immediately you want to, like, to skewer. You want to see him fall. Right. I mean, and that uh, that's not even necessarily because he was like this, like, you know, breakthrough white rapper. I think it's mostly just because when you're shoved in everyone's face so much, mm-hmm. then, yeah, you want to see, you know, something <laughs> something bad happen. Uh, it can't be understated how quickly the public turned on Vanilla Ice. Here is the quick summary of the timeline. Okay, follow me here. His debut album, To the Extreme, which originally came out as uh, Hooked, I believe, but then they changed it to To the Extreme. It hits number one on October 6, 1990. His single, Ice Ice Baby, makes history as the first number one rap single on November 3, 1990. 
The tell-all article by Ken Parrish is released November 18, 1990. Then, on January 28, 1991, Vanilla Ice makes headlines after winning two American Music Awards. During his acceptance speech, he tells the press to kiss his white butt. Right, January 29th, right. 1991. One day later, Ice appears on the Arsenio Hall show and gets fucking obliterated. This is like a yeah. three-month time period yeah. where all this happened. Yeah. It, it Arsenio, took him years to get there. And then within within months, it's top to bottom. Yeah. And I guess like the Arsenio Hall show is kind of legendary to, to some people. I haven't like fully dove in there but i think part oh it's of it is brutal that, dude is that he sort of like why well, i mean the show in general is like sort of that he in some ways like was approaching it more as like an everyman and not like a journalist or a, a personality and so he kind of he, he he has he takes the gloves off as it were with uh with vanilla ice well, and obviously he's the, taking kissing my white but, pleasure yeah. in doing so because you know arsenio hall he he was a platform for all these huge rap acts you know tribe called yeah. quest and de la soul and all, all this shit so then you have vanilla ice come on and he's yeah. gonna let him have it you know i, I mean, mean he, he brings yeah. up every joke that we've made he says it to his fucking face it's brutal he's, yeah i mean he's even but in the form of a question where it's like oh yeah they say you're a big clown like what do you have to say to that <laughs> You know, and um, yeah, it's very tactful. I mean, but he also, I mean, that interview was famous to the point where he's Arsenio Hall has done interviews describing that night and talking about like he was like, yeah, I was a little agitated. Like I had thought that their Vanilla Ice's crew had said something and I didn't like and like, you know, I might have gotten a little bit of like bad information or something, but yeah, I was like, I was on one basically. Like he's admits, oh, like wow. yeah, I was, yeah. I was like pissed. It, it is really brutal. I'll, I'll post the video to, to the Patreon. It, it, it's <laughs> you're like, oh fuck, dude. Yeah. You know, because I mean, yeah. nowadays, like, I mean, people get grilled all the time, but that was like someone that everyone fucking universally kind of hated at that moment, unless you were like a 14 year old girl. Yes, exactly. You know, because that was that essentially is what his his audience transformed to. You know, he became right. like this teen idol, which right. he fucking hated, and like everything just starts going going south for him. Now yeah. a national laughing stock who was regularly lampooned on television staples like Saturday Night Live and Living Color, and even by fellow white rappers third base. Uh, things seemingly couldn't oh, get yeah. any worse. Enter Marion Hugh Knight, aka Suge Knight. Yeah. Now like, um, like just when you think it can't get any worse, Suge Knight enters the picture, dude. Yeah. And uh uh this is about to be like this really famous story but you mentioned like the parodies uh there's some pretty great ones uh kevin bacon does a pretty good one on snl jim carrey's jim carrey's is probably the best parody he really i feel like nails it on in living color he's yeah he's the goat vanilla ice impersonator yes um Um, because he's a great impersonator i mean like what what does kevin bacon have to do with impersonating I don't really know, you know. Well, he was on um, SNL, you know. But um but, no, in Living Color, I mean like man, if there was a white rapper, Jim Carrey was playing, he played Snow in yeah, one, mm-hmm. the Licky Boom Boom Down guy. Yeah. Uh yeah, like they they, <laughs> they needed one, you know. But <laughs> so they got just, Jim Carrey. I just want to say though, and this is kind of what Ice has said is sometimes how like it was like sometimes he felt like the hate was a little undue. Uh, the third base, who also yeah, Woodstock '99, Woodstock '99, the very first artist to perform um, at Woodstock '99. 
The third bass song sucks. And like, <laughs> it's, and it's all about vanilla ice. It's like, but it's I, so bitter. But I'm just it's saying, like you sold your soul. Like, yeah, it's so yeah. Dumb. Like, that's what I mean is like, that feels like haters. Like they're hating. You know what I mean? Like, they're just like, they just decided to make a video about how wacky is. And I guess like their, their thing is like hip hop is like, takes all this technique and all this skill and craft and you're disrespecting it. Like, I understand that. But he had but, that. But also just for that to be their biggest hit song is a diss song. Yeah. About it vanilla kinda, ice. Like it's it very meta. It's like it your white rapper is talking about a white rapper and he's a one hit wonder and you're a fucking like less than a one hit wonder. And you opened Woodstock 99 and you got lost on your way to the stage. It's on footage. It's on, It's been filmed. You not finding your way to the stage like you're in fucking Spinal Tap. Yeah. I just don't know if. Yeah. And it's just not a great song. And like Ice Ice Baby is a way fucking better song. Yeah, definitely. So. And uh, the music video for Pop Goes the Weasel is like, I mean, that's when you know it's about Vanilla Ice because they have this weird, like, um, like kind of like Primus adjacent, like, makeup on this Vanilla Ice guy. I think uh, that's Henry Walt Rollins. Oh, really? Who, of course, would be like having, you know, Fuck Vanilla have, Ice. Yeah. You know, have his two cents, you know. Oh, of, um, of course. I feel like Henry Rollins is maybe coming out as now like all right dude like old man yelling at cloud you know like there was a while where like everyone just like loved every word he said um, yeah and yeah like, now it's kind of just like oh well because now there you know we have the world of uh you know super opinionated podcasts uh that i guess we're a part of yeah we but, know yeah. a lot everything we need to say is the fucking truth that's right. yeah we should just call our the show the truth uh <laughs> yeah. you know and put a big american flag behind it yeah that'd be yeah so uh, we're going to get into the Suge Knight thing now. It's one of the most legendary stories in hip-hop, uh, in, in music history, really. Um, but it's super cloudy as to what happened. So we're, right. <laughs> we're, we're doing our best here. Right. Sometime in between the Arsenio Hall show and the 1991 Grammy Awards, Suge Knight, accompanied by an understandably intimidating entourage, ambushed Vanilla Ice and company in a Beverly Hills hotel room. Not at the Beverly Hills Hotel, at a hotel in Beverly Hills. Very important. Yes. Knight and his band of merry men were there on business. A friend of Knight named Mario Johnson claimed he co-wrote the lyrics to Ice Ice Baby, yet was not given any credit or royalties. Now, if you remember, Johnson yeah. was the one that was approached by DJ Earthquake with the opportunity to write for Vanilla Ice. And mm -hmm. Johnson, according to one story, a.k.a. the version we told in the last episode, refused. However, yeah. as it turned out, Johnson did play a small part in the writing, to what extent no one can truly say. Now, Johnson, you know, he didn't want to be associated with Vanilla Ice uh, publicly, you know, because he, he thought mm -hmm. it was embarrassing. White rapper, you know, goofy white boy dancing and shit. Yeah. But apparently he was responsible for at least the part of the hook or, you know, something. But then the song gets huge. You know, he never expected it. So now he wants to come out and, and get his money. Um, yeah. You know, he changed his tune. So. In a 1996 interview, Vanilla Ice claimed that Suge Knight's posse beat up his crew while Knight took Ice out on the balcony. Suge laid out his demands and invited Vanilla Ice to look over the edge of the balcony. This thinly veiled threat was enough to get Vanilla Ice to agree to do whatever Suge wanted. This story became the stuff of hip-hop legend. The story quickly went from a friendly meeting to a violent attack to a near-death experience where Suge dangled Vanilla Ice over the balcony by his ankles. Yeah. Tommy Kwan claimed that weeks before the Suge Knight incident, he had already submitted the paperwork to list Johnson as a writer on the song and get him some money. But now, three years later, in 1999, when the Behind the Music was filmed, 
Vanilla Ice, you know, refutes his claim. He said that everything was always friendly. It was a business meeting. The guy needed to get paid. He signed it up. Whatever. Guys, but so no one knows. But yeah, there's like I. But the the original version that Vanilla Ice told, where he said that he was like threatened, he never said he was dangled over the balcony. He was on the balcony, and Suge Knight's like, "It's a long way down, man." And that got transformed into him being dangled by his fucking ankles, which is like it's like Pulp Fiction style or something. Yeah, exactly. There's a story about someone getting thrown off a balcony in Pulp Fiction. Um, it's like. I could I could maybe see maybe in an era where he was getting so much hate, I don't know, like it could it could be a way to garner some sympathy to be like, hey guys, like I know everyone thinks I'm, a, guys I'm a total piece of shit, but like someone's you know, Suge Knight tried to beat my ass. Especially because <laughs> Suge Knight is is like a famous bully. So obviously yeah, everyone murder. Yeah. I mean so again it could be like, oh yeah, let me say this guy threatened me with violence uh believable or it's also believable so maybe he just did it because the yeah, dude who, is who knows the dude ran the over ice was like i don't want to be known as you know there's this great artist uh from hollywood his name's howard team and he's a legendary tattoo artist but he does these like great posters right where it's like the country music jamboree and it's like these great b- black and white ink drawings mm-hmm. of like every country star partying together right yeah uh, and he has one that's like the the, the rap party you know the rap pool party yeah. and it's a big pool party every rapper's right, in right. it and vanilla ice is being dangled by his ankles over a balcony oh, yeah. by suge knight in that yeah like it's, i mean and again he ran over someone with his suv on the set of straight out of compton because he like wasn't allowed on set so like yeah the dude he's fucking scary not fucking around yeah 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 he's he's huge you know what suge stands for though like what why that was his nickname like sugar bear right yep because <laughs> yeah. he was so sweet yeah that's what, <laughs> that's no, i love it. i love when scary people like yeah like in high school we had this like r- dude on the football team he was so huge and everyone called him tiny right oh of course really love it, you know yeah. yeah but you're not gonna call suge knight tiny you call him sugar bear yeah, yeah it'd be funny to go up to suge knight like if you saw him at like like on the street or like at a you know at a store or something you're just like hey sugar bear like you just call right. him that and then die uh to add insult to injury ice lost after being nominated for best rap solo act at the 1991 grammy awards now, according to Vanilla Ice, he was largely unbothered by a lot of all this negative press because he was making so much fucking money and he was winning awards, right. even though he lost to the Grammys, the biggest one. Uh, he was 23 years old with the world at his fingertips. Forbes magazine even named him one of the highest paid entertainers of 1991. He had yeah. like three houses in all different major cities, boats, cars, motorcycles, and one of his mansions even had a giant yin-yang symbol on the fucking gate, which is nice. very something Vanilla Ice would have. Yeah, the yin yang in itself is super '90s. Just like such yin yang, the peace sign. Peace sign. I mean, obviously the '60s, but you don't see that yin and yang so much anymore. No, no, it's very '90s. Yeah, yeah, like a little necklace with 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 one, you know, like a choker with one. Yeah. Now, as the avalanche that was Vanilla Ice began to slow, a few more lucrative projects came his way. Most notably, a cameo and original song featured in the 1991 film Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. The song, Go Ninja Go. Uh, you know, real
real quick, folks, we're going to do uh, something a little different. Haven't done this before. But speaking of ooze and green stuff, uh, I've been taking this Magic Mind supplement. It's like a it's like a power shot. It's nootropics. I don't even know what those are, but they're very good for you. It's matcha based. It's got all different kinds of mushrooms, like lion's head mushrooms and things like that. These all natural shots. And definitely a noticeable difference, by the way, because I, I can't do coffee. It fucks me up too much. But I love just like taking a little green like, you know, this mysterious green liquid every morning. Um, you know, a lot of research and writing goes into these episodes and that Magic Mind stuff keeps me on task. Uh, Parks, I know that you haven't had the pleasure of experiencing it yet because I'm hogging it all. Yeah, I'm still I'm still waiting for my package. Uh, you know, yeah, no, I'm hogging it all day. because I need it because so, I, I'm, I'm my brain is so um, important to the operation. Well, <laughs> we I mean, to- <laughs> it, if it helped you come up with that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles segue, then I would say it's working. Cause, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, and also chipping coming. away at the vanilla ice block I thought was, was pretty good. And I wouldn't have been able to write uh, such poetry yeah. without mm-hmm. Magic Mind. And if there you... you want to feel as good as I do, you can go to magicmind.co slash culture dumps, magicmind.co slash culture dumps. And using promo code culture dumps, one word, no caps, you can get up to 56% off on your subscription and 20% off of a single purchase. So check it out. That's magicmind.co slash culture dumps, promo code culture dumps, no caps, one word, feel as great as I sound right now. <laughs> and it, yeah and if you don't send me a bottle i guess i'm gonna have to use the promo code myself so <laughs> yeah hey well that that works out for us so <laughs> so go ahead parks you yeah you, you buy it I'll, I'll i'll keep the uh my, my little uh my personal supply here my head stash if you will my mind stash my magic mind stash anyways <laughs> so allegedly vanilla ice was paid millions for the appearance and for the song uh he was still big enough to you know bring in that kind of money and that is right at the same time and this is all you know alleged this is showbiz lore but this is about the time that madonna came to his show at madison square garden and gave him her number and then later he visited her on the set of a league of their own (laughs) and that amounted to him making an appearance in the very dumpable madonna coffee table book sex yeah yeah i haven't actually looked he's a good looking guy yeah no he's very handsome but I haven't. Have you ever looked at this book? I've never seen it. I yeah, know yeah, what yeah. It's all about. It's all right. I'm, I mean, it's sexual. Did you? In nature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Vanilla Ice. I think like she's like licking his stomach or something. I mean, Ooh. it's uh. Actually, I think that that because Madonna is one of those artists that was on the VH1's hundred most shocking moments in rock and roll, like multiple mm-hmm. times. And one is that book. And like, she comes to this book signing and she's got like two guys in like gimp masks on leashes, you know, and everyone's like, yeah. Holy fucking shit. Now yeah. that's just like, you know, like that's like a fucking little Nas X video. Or you see that at the Grammys, <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Well, that's why they, you know, they call Madonna mother. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Now they call her all sorts of things, um, but we won't. We won't get into that. So the next big move for Ice was really the next major nail in his coffin, and that was the Vanilla Ice-centered, off-the-wall comedic romp known as Cool as Ice. Ice received yeah. one million dollars to appear in the film that literally is about him and his motorcycle buddies getting, um, you know, that they they break down on some guy's wacky farm. 
and yeah. uh, his farm is like Pee Wee's Playhouse, and he like, kind of I think he falls in love with the farmer's daughter. There's like a some there's a love interest, and he's got to get to her, uh-huh. and they need to fix up his motorcycle. It's yeah, I I watched it. Um, it's fucking nuts, dude. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, I watched it with my friend Xander way back oh, in the nice. day, <laughs> uh, who had it on VHS. Um, the funny thing to me is that when he first meets the love interest, she's riding a horse because she's in the farm, you know, horse girl, and he's riding his motorcycle. And there's sort of this moment where horse the two girl. of them are kind of like riding, you know, in parallel, and he's kind of like riding his motorcycle, like, hey, you know, trying to holler. And then out of nowhere, he does this jump. He like jumps. I mean, I don't even know how he does it. it. Makes no sense. But he jumps over the fence and like lands the motorcycle in front of her, and he scares the horse, and the horse like throws her off, which I just think is really funny because that's like people can like break their necks doing something like that, and it's well, just kind care. of like he's cool as ice. It's just kind of one of those things like, hey, what's up? Like I almost just like killed you, but like you want to like go on a date with me? He literally says. This is a, a this is a line in the film that's been in many films, but coming from Vanilla Ice and Cool as Ice, it's probably the worst. He literally says, "Ditch the zero and get with the hero." Yeah, and like yeah. you know that that's probably something he's actually said. Mm-hmm. Like it yeah. is, it is one of the most insane movies ever. When I worked at a weed store, uh, whenever I would go to like get the weed you know to bring back to the store from this other location there'd just be like mountains of these like bags of pounds and pounds of weed everywhere and people would be rolling joints and like trimming bud and all that stuff and they would always be watching cool as ice why it never got they never got sick of it i don't know (laughs) that's what happens when you're around that much weed dude like you just watch cool as ice all day it's i don't i don't understand but uh the film had a three week run, dude, before it yeah. got pulled from theaters. It raked in a disappointing one point two million, which is just a hair over what they paid just vanilla ice. Yeah. But yeah. some box office reports claim that it only brought in six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Damn. For any movie to make that little is fucked up. Mm, I will argue though that's in the history of flops, percentage wise it's not too bad. It's no battlefield earth. Well, um, that paid for itself with, you know, the, the fine folks over at the church of Scientology. They weren't really worried about <laughs> losing out on money, dude. Yeah. But I just mean, you know, it's no, uh, what's that heaven's gate, right? That's like the famous, not the cult, but the movie oh. <laughs> from the eighties that like, it was like the first flop or something. Right. Well, Waterworld, you know, famously, you know. Yeah, Waterworld is, is a good movie. Conversation right here. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll, we should We're do like, a Heaven's sport, Gate, a, not the cult, the fucking movie. I'm like, yeah, a, fucking Waterworld. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe uh, we could, we could take that clip on, uh, if we ever needed to explain what the show was and be like, well, we talk about this mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's it. Uh, Vanilla yeah. Ice. He was also awarded the Golden Razzie for worst new star for his performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. N- never one to disappoint his critics, Vanilla Ice's next attempts at a smash single fell far beyond flap. Fearing that Ice's debut album had run its course, the label heads at SPK rushed the release of the second Vanilla Ice album, Extremely Live. This yeah. compilation of live recordings failed to break the top 20 on the Billboard charts. Okay. This is a Here's bad the thing. call. A live rap 
album as like oh, a follow yeah. up. Not, and it's not, just cuz it's yeah. cuz it should have been like more about new music and not like a 12 minute long version of Ice Ice Baby that obviously was probably fun to witness if you were at the concert but listening you know how like sometimes at a live show they might extend a song for 10 minutes because they're doing all this like crowd participation shit and that was probably really fun at the show but you don't want to hear the audio of people like doing that for, okay next you know? time we do some live shows uh we're gonna rent a car and we're gonna we're gonna tour like a band and we're gonna listen to every single vanilla ice album starting with extremely yeah. live <laughs> yeah i mean i've <laughs> I've done a lot of yeah. I've, I've you probably do that on your own, song. you fucking psycho. I've gotten a few songs up on you already because I've been listening. <laughs> well, to I want to talk about that. So that's yeah. the thing about one hit wonders is is you forget that there's like so many other songs, you know, on on these albums. Um, one that I would like to play a small clip from is called Rasta Man. Um, what's that? Uh, allegedly, you know, from, from what I read, that was the inspiration for that one uh, SNL bit, like uh, Trent Rasta or whatever. You know, what I'm talking about the Andy Sandberg, where he's like, he's like the white reggae guy. It's it, it, it's it's essentially it. like that. But yeah. dude, that song's fucking brutal, dude. Yeah, that one's tough. Um. That's a hard listen. It's a hard sell. Uh, but those beats also, are fucking bodacious, yo. <laughs> bodacious, ass so bodacious. Yeah, um, no, it's it's uh, it's it's a fat beat for sure. But uh, Rasta man, and what? It's spelled with an O, right? Uh, yeah, Rasta. Like Dude, I don't know. Jesus. Like, on like the you don't need to do you're on that. the roster. You're on the roster. <laughs> you're on the roster. Oh. Jesus. Yeah, this I'm is, a roster man. Uh, by late this 1991, like, like Island, Island Boys. Fall- you know. <laughs> It's like Island Boys. I, I want to keep talking about. Oh Ross yeah, that, dude! Island Boys, another dump. Then this this whole episode yeah. is just laden with with dump. Yeah. Now, by late 1991, Vanilla Ice had fallen so far out of favor that his booking agent at the time, Peter Seats, claimed that he went from booking arenas to struggling to get Ice booked at Knott's Berry Farm, where it would have been free to see him. Yeah, like he would have been played a uh, paid a flat rate, and if you wanted to go see Vanilla Ice at two p.m. next to the chicken strip stand, go see him. They couldn't even get that. Vanilla Ice was finally feeling the very real pressure of the negative press and decided to take a break from the spotlight. Vanilla Ice still had tons of money coming in, so he was comfortable with stepping away. He even began to compete in Florida motocross tournaments, many of which he won, and he went by his birth name, Rob Van Winkle. Uh, he was, interestingly enough, uh, this is a fun fact that you know Mel found for us. He was named the sixth best jet skier in the world in 1993. <laughs> Six. I mean... That's great. That's way better than me, you know. And, and it was at this time that he grew some dreads. He got into weed, got into Rastafarian, you know, like Rastafari, yeah. all, all that shit. And, uh, but I mean, obviously, he's always been into that because yeah. Rosta Man was, uh, so, you know, on his I mean, going, album. So going from like the white boy rapper to the, the white boy Rasta, right? It's an easy transition. Yeah. I, well, I would like it the other way. Like, <laughs> I prefer the white boy rapper. The white boy Rasta, 
I just saw uh, at a venue I work at, um, Modest Yahoo. Oh, yeah. Like last year. The Hasidic yeah. Rastafarian. Not anymore, though, right? Rapper. Uh, I don't know. It felt like it to me. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I'm saying he doesn't wear like the garb, you know? Yeah, he doesn't. He looks. Yeah, he looks. He has like blue hair. It's like, there mm-hmm. goes your fucking gimmick, dude. Yeah. You know, but now, like, now you're it, just like dirty heads or revolution or any of the other slightly <laughs> stupid. Any of the fuck. How do I know so many of these? Dude, I know rebel. I've seen revolution as well. Peppa? That's rebel. Like revolution, but a rebel. But so it's revolution. A rebel. Yeah. I've, I've seen I've seen <laughs> pepper, too. Those are the co- <laughs> I said those were the cops. Pepper is like undercover cops. Like they were too like slicked and like they had too many muscles they just like they had like cop sunglasses. I was like, you guys aren't into smoking weed. You're like, who here wants drugs? And then they're going to arrest them. Yeah. Like, that's what I felt like. The, pe- <laughs> the pepper show. I was like, someone this, they're about to bust this joint up. These cannot wow. be like real people. Yeah. It's it's a you know, it's a super, super undercover operation, you know, from uh, that, that goes. It's a, been years in the making. <laughs> 30 years. Yeah, exactly. Jesus. One day. Now, after having some time to clear his head and for the heat around him to cool off, Vanilla Ice returned to music with his 1994 album, Mind Blowin'. And this <laughs> album was a far cry from To the Extreme. This is adult rap. This is yeah. fucking drugs, violence, fucking straight gangster shit. Fucking it's- very, very like... You know, I, I said if he had just come out with that and didn't have his past, he might have been huge. Mm-hmm. You know, because that would have fit in like right there. I mean, fucking ICP was like coming out uh, around like that same time. You know, and they got to play at Woodstock '99. So, you know, it's yeah. like it's like that demented, like like it's the wicked shit, dude. Yeah, I mean, um, because you know, you had obviously gangster rap. You know, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg being the most famous. But then you, you and in general, you just had this like wave of aggression between like with grunge, uh, you know, he- kind of turning like grunge affecting like rock music and then gangster rap so even like bands like uh cypress hill even though it's all about smoking weed like they're still kind of scary like they're always yeah. about beating people up and killing people even though they're just talking about smoking weed or something i didn't really ever understand but i love their beats <laughs> like i mean i thought weed's supposed to chill you out i mean come on you know but hey man but, like, no I time feel to like, chill when you're from the i streets. feel like he's got some of that he's got a little bit of that like sort of cypress hill vibe and i actually kind of like mind blowing like it's i feel like this kind of sick got, i mean i'm looking i've uh, there's like three songs i was like i'll honestly re-listen to these songs you know um yeah well and also you know what's interesting is around that same time mc hammer came out with like a gangster rap yeah, kind of thing dude. but he's still doing his dancing and shit but he's just yeah. wearing like full like denim jumpsuits with like a bandana tied in the front you know you sent me that video of mc hammer this weekend and i was like dude the dance moves actually made it because i feel like that's what was different is that he actually had these fucking badass dance moves in his video i'm sure at the time it was seen as like really whack because it's like you know, oh yeah, no, he was can't done, be dancing. Dude. You know, but like I actually really liked that video that you sent me. Right? No, I mean it's sick, but like everyone was trying to do this. But Vanilla Ice, mind blowing. It's kind of dope. Now the realization that Vanilla Ice. Well, also let, let me just. It's better the, than the album that has Ice Ice Baby, for sure. Yeah, I think. Oh it's, no, for I sure. I think it's his best album 
but here's the thing. It didn't even break the top 200. Yeah. And so subsequently, Ice was dropped from his label SBK. The realization yeah. that the Vanilla Ice brand was tainted and the wild ride was coming to an end, that sent Vanilla Ice into a fierce downward spiral. He began using heavy amounts of drugs and alcohol. According to Vanilla Ice, every day was a party, albeit a very sad party. He said he was really into ecstasy, which is mm-hmm. like it always is a weird thing when that's what someone's really into because that's like a whole fucking thing yeah. to do ecstasy. You know, but, you need to. Like, but, you know, it was the '90s, and I mean, you, you know, it was to new. be fair. Yeah, it was new. There was a ton of ecstasy, and uh, you know, it makes you feel really good, and then it makes you feel really bad. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes, exactly. The Suicide Tuesdays. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, if you want to see uh, folks, uh, we we do a series on our Patreon, patreon.com slash culture dumps, um, called Docu Dumps, where we review documentaries, and you know, I try and share my my knowledge of documentaries with, with folks. There's a great one called Small Town Ecstasy about this dad. Uh, oh, you know, his, him and his wife get divorced, so in order to bond with his kids, he starts going to raves with them. This is like early. This is like right at this time, like mid '90s in the Bay area, like they're going to these like ranch raves where you had to call a number to get the address and like all that shit. And he's just like fried on ecstasy. The entire movie. It is killer. It's um, pretty messed up. Yeah. By killer. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, it, it is very fascinating. Yeah. Uh, so but it, it reminds me of this, yeah. like, like just like, cause doing that particular drug, it, it really burns your brain out. You know, I mean, they, they call the come down from it the Suicide Tuesdays because if you take it on a Saturday by Tuesday, you're still feeling terrible. You know, it, mm-hmm. it was kind of the the yeah, the mythos absolutely. surrounding it. Uh, it. Yeah, I never I never heard of that, but um, it makes oh, yeah. total sense. So yeah, he was going, and again, it is fo- we are following the like rise to success, and then just as quickly as you come up, then the cr- the crash and burn, and just drug abuse, depression feeling suicidal as we'll get into yeah uh, yeah and like no longer successful the laughing stock but he had tons um, of money that's the thing though it's like and that that's a really tough position to be in because like no one can tell you no but you're not well you know so it's like like he still had all this money it's not like he was broke and like losing everything like it was still coming like pouring in mm-hmm. so he was able to you know fucking because you know the ninja like teenage mutant ninja turtles he got a penny or whatever off of every fucking time someone watched that shit essentially so right, he made right. so much fucking money but it was just not going good so the seething depression reached a boiling point on the 4th of july 1994 when during a lavish party at his estate vanilla ice overcome with grief and shame attempted suicide by overdose Luckily, his friends found him and kept watch over him until he came to the following morning. Why didn't they call the cops? Because you just don't, I guess. Yeah, I thought, again, that story, like, I was like, you got to take Sketchy people, dude, man. Sketchy 90s ecstasy him. people. Yeah. I feel like if if they were worried somehow that, you know, if the drugs were going to be traced to their dealer or something, because it's like, why would you not take him to the hospital? Well, because now, I mean, I don't think back then they had the Good Samaritan law, but like nowadays, like if you bring someone that overdosed to the hospital, you can't be like prosecuted or even questioned. Mm. Like there's like a whole Mm. thing uh, about that because, yeah, it would happen so much. Now, after the serious wake up call, Vanilla Ice began therapy. One year to the day after his suicide attempt, Vanilla Ice met Laura Giretto. The two began dating and had their first child, a daughter, in 1997. And now we have officially entered the Rob Van Winkle era. 
<laughs> the second mm-hmm. Rob Van Winkle. Like I said, there's the Rob Van Winkle when, when he's born, and then he becomes Vanilla Ice, and then he goes back to the Van Winkle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, you know, so that's 97 when he has his kid. But in 1995, he was in a grunge band called Pickin' Scabs, and yeah. uh, <laughs> which is, yeah. is nuts. And he said he was finally content. And, you know, he said being a dad became the most important thing to him because he didn't have one. So he wanted to be able to, like, be that person for someone else. And he also got a real estate license and began selling property. So he's just, you know, keeping busy. Um, Again, folks, you know, if you want to keep busy, magicmind.co slash culture dumps. (laughs) And you can get 56% off of your subscription with promo code culture dumps. 1997 had something else in store for Van Winkle, as well as the music world. Van Winkle was signed to a new deal with former SBK rep Monty Lippman. That is a showbiz name right there, Monty Lippman. Mm -hmm. Uh, He set him up with the godfather of new metal, producer Ross Robinson. Mm-hmm. This guy has done everything. He worked with Corn, Glassjaw, Deftones, The Blood Brothers, one of my favorite bands ever, Limp Bizkit. Uh, he produced The Cure, um, but like also like Fear Factory. Uh, all the mm-hmm. like he's, he's he's yeah. He kind of like the first Limp Bizkit album, that very just like harsh, aggressive sound that um, yeah is very crucial to new metal and. Vanilla Ice. Well, and, and you know, uh, Ross Robinson, he's interviewed in the Behind the Music, and he says, like, you know, when they bring in Vanilla Ice, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what am I going to do mm-hmm. with this guy? Like, you know, but but right, he was, right. you know, Ross Robinson was, like, the king of, like, this new kind of white boy music era, you know, like, the new metal <laughs> shit. So it, right, it made right. sense, but I guess, you know, Vanilla Ice is uh, apparently really good in the studio, so it... It worked out. So the result of the Van Winkle Robinson collab was the 1998 album Hard to Swallow, which featured a heavy new metal rendition of, you guessed it, Ice Ice Baby. Oh, yeah. It's uh, that's nuts, dude. And like, but yeah. it's funny because in the behind the music, when they get to that, it's like he then released "Hard to Swallow," and like they make it seem like it was like this epic comeback, but it was not. Uh, the album was not even close to being considered for yeah. Billboard charts, but it did help get Vanilla Ice back on the road. He packed well, out, yeah, well, like small clubs and stuff. He wasn't doing uh-huh. anywhere near what, what I what think he, he did. played. He played CBGBs actually. Um, <laughs> I saw a video of that. Just, just a hub of the, alternative culture, you know. The the new metal version of Ice Ice Baby is called Too Cold. Oh. So it's not. And so when I was, I listened to this album too. And when it starts, uh, I was, I got confused because I was like, it's not called. I was like, wait, what is this song? I was like, oh, this is. It took me like 45 seconds to realize it was Ice Ice Baby. Yeah. But, Actually, I think I was saying that Mind Blowing is my favorite, but I'm looking, and I think I like more <laughs> songs on Hard to Swallow. Huh. Um, I really like the song Zigzag Stories, and <laughs> oh uh, and there's a song called Stomping Through the Bayou. There's also Whoa. a song called The Horny Song. Wow. Didn't make me horny. No. Didn't work on me. That's a shame. But I'm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny, though? Um, you, you know, he... 
this is seven years after after his you know superstardom but he was happy you know what i mean like it, it was it, it felt honest to him and it's funny because in the behind the music you could tell like how just how like hard his like career had crashed because mm-hmm. he's like you know it doesn't matter if i sell one album or 10 like 10 is yeah. the most he could imagine selling <laughs> <laughs> yeah which is like yeah. just like a hilarious way for him to phrase you know one or even 10 who knows you know it doesn't <laughs> matter to me it's like dude 10 so Rob Van Winkle symbolically killed Vanilla Ice in 1999 during an appearance on the MTV comedy special 25 Lame, which showcased the lamest music videos in history. Hosted by Janine Garofalo, John Stewart, Chris Kattan, and Dennis Leary, 25 Lame invited artists responsible for the lamest videos to defend themselves or share stories about the videos. Vanilla Ice was invited to destroy a VHS copy of his video for Ice Ice Baby. He proceeded to destroy the set, nearly hitting the host with a metal bat. He literally almost takes John Stewart's head off. Uh, this moment went down in MTV history, and in a way, helped Rob Van Winkle shed any remnant of like the original Vanilla Ice. Like no mm. one was looking at him like that anymore. Yeah, yeah, and he's also. It's funny because in his like new, so like the Dreadlock era is like a little like you're like, all right, come on, dude. But then when he gets in the new metal era, I mean, he he looks like a more handsome Fred Durst. Like he's like <laughs> he's like the model. He's like Fred Durst, the underwear model. Right. This dude's fucking handsome. I don't know if we yeah, Fred said this Thirst yet. Fred Durst. He's also wearing a Doctor Evil shirt. Oh um, man! Well, but dude, he's, that- but he's got the cap. Um, he looks cool, man. He looks cool. No, you know what? He he reminds me. Okay. Now, this is a very long ago callback to Podcast 99 when we were talking about Lit, okay? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I said that the singer of Lit reminds me of this guy that uh, lived on my street when I was growing up that my dad and all the other parents on the street called Psycho Boy. And he would wear, like, the wraparound shades, like a backwards flex fit hat, and he had a Mustang, like a classic Mustang, that he would, like, rip up and down the street in the middle of the night, like, crazy loud. And I think he had a nipple piercing. And he would all he's oh, always working man. on the car. Like the car is always broken. He's always working uh, on it, listening yeah, to like fucking uh-huh. Soundgarden and shit. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, that yeah. is what Van- Vanilla Ice looks like. Psycho Boy, like Definitely. that's that's the thing. And, and he kind of looks like the singer of Lip. So uh, yes. you know, it was a type. Now, in October of 2001, Vanilla Ice released his fourth album, Bipolar, which was originally supposed to be a double disc album with one heavy rock disc and one rap. However, all the songs were thrown together on a single disc album, and it was universally panned. And it would be the commercial failure of Bipolar that would lead Van Winkle down his next career path. Like, yeah, dude, like, kinda, nothing makes yeah. sense. It's called Bipolar because it's supposed to have these two angles of his personality and, mm-hmm. and his music stylings. They just throw it all together, and like, like nothing works. <laughs> nothing works there. I liked, <laughs> I liked a couple songs on this album, too. Of course you did, dude. <laughs> Uh, there's a song called you like music Pri- too much. Primal Side. Whoa. Um, uh, which is funny. Um, and uh, th- I, I t- this one is like now it's a few years later. So like the first new metal album we did was like '98, which is honestly you know pretty early-ish into the popularity of it. Um, but then bipolar is 2001 so now there's like these 
influences from bands like Stained, where it has sort of the like ex- the post like the butt rock. Yeah. So there's some. So some of these songs have that like the super sort of like whining uh, singing. I was just thinking about buzz ballads today. Oh yeah. And uh, that band Default wasting my time. <laughs> like I'm wasting my time. You know, folks, if you need um, if you want the complete history of butt rock, we have 3 volumes of the history of butt rock on our Patreon. <laughs> that's very true, yeah. Yeah, um, like, like we we get into troop rock, which is like uh like 3 doors down and mm-hmm. shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> like like you yeah, know, yeah. music for the troops. Superman. Yeah. Um so bipolar is kind. Of, I mean, we're. I'm gonna keep talking about how I like his music. As yeah, this you know, up, he's he's so. got plenty of it. Uh, now Van Winkle, he thought that he had a chance at a comeback after a successful performance at the second gathering of the Juggalos in July of 2001. Uh, that's where he kind of became an honorary Juggalo. ICP actually, they were like, dude, like we we get it that you want to do all this new shit and you can and you should. But you got to do the hits, dude. That's what people love you for. No one's yeah. going to fucking mm-hmm. knock you for that. And he really credits them with like giving him the confidence to just like embrace that yeah. side of himself. Although we'll see um, just a couple years down the line, he still struggles with that with that image. Yeah. Um, um, and he, he's done uh, a couple songs with ICP. He's been on some of their albums. They've been on some of his albums. Um, just great one- company. <laughs> Because I'm looking at the outline. I don't know if you, you might be uh, done talking about his music at this point. So maybe let's just pack in a couple. He uh, <laughs> he, he has a song uh, called Trailer Park Mullet Wars. Uh, he's got a song called Ninja Rap 2. Oh, um, man. And then the, oh, it doesn't I, have I, anything to do with, with the ninja, though, right? Is that the, um, like, isn't that the thing with that? It's just called, like, but it's not like about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't know. Maybe I'm just. It's just like being a, well because there's also the ICP version of Ninja, which was also I mean Ninja in itself is sort of a, a way of saying another word if you yes, maybe don't have a certain pass on a word. <laughs> um, but he he did a song he he did a um, album in 2011 called WTF, which oh, is like man. and it stands for like wisdom truth like f- ferociousness <laughs> yeah yeah um i love rap acronyms it's some of my we've t- i feel like we've definitely talked well, about that before did as you remember well. um enigma you know but like this is a throwback to the pure moods episode yes, but enigma yes. had an album lsd love sensuality devotion yes yes, yes. <laughs> it's like that one, yeah a uh, wisdom tenacity and focus wow so it feels dude. like he's on like the grind stuff and i there live, was a laugh, great love. song on the Yes, um, and there was a song with the ICP called uh, "Born on Halloween," <laughs> which um, he was. But uh, Vanilla Ice was born on Halloween. But the uh, one of the weirdest things, almost done here, is that <laughs> one is that on not only like on multiple albums he re-records Ice Ice Baby. So it is funny how he's like kind of haunted by it, but he's done like four or five different versions of Ice Ice Baby, and one of the weirdest albums in his discography from two thousand eight is called Vanilla Ice is Back, exclamation mark, hip-hop classics. And this, like, you know how, like, sometimes when you see those greatest hits albums of old bands and it, like, looks very prepackaged, like, it doesn't it doesn't really fit the aesthetic of, like, any of his other albums. Right, yeah. Like, it, it, it honestly looks like a James Brown album cover, but it's <laughs> Vanilla Ice's face on it. 
and he does again a re-recorded version of ice ice baby but then he does like baby got back jump around like he he's literally like insane in the membrane oh, he had, he had, like, like a cover album yeah it was a cover he album. does like a cover album which is also kind of interesting because hip-hop like even though hip-hop samples a lot and hip-hop covers like, aren't reference a, a lot rap. yeah you just don't really do very many covers the way that rock folk country r&b does covers so it's kind of interesting that he did like a covers album it's it's bizarre know? yeah um and also so some of his uh, later albums look like a cd that a guy would hand to you on you know at venice beach and be like check it out new music you know and then once you grab yeah. it now you have to give him some money i to- mean he in his older like later years like he definitely looks like a guy that you went to high school with who is now involved in like some sort of Ponzi scheme and is yeah. trying to get like you haven't heard I want to put you on to something dog. Year, yeah let me put you on you know and it's like hasn't seen you in years and then now is blowing up your Facebook messages trying to get you like dude I just made $500 in two hours bro like, <laughs> yeah with this one easy trick yeah, yeah hot singles in your area now same thing yeah uh, so let's get into the Van Winkle years now we have discussed at length the early 2000s Wild West era of reality TV on this show Well, our boy Rob Van Winkle found himself right in the middle of that storm, so prepare for some major dump crossovers here. By the year 2000, Vanilla Ice, a.k.a. Rob Van Winkle, seemed like a fever dream. You know, did Ice Ice Baby even happen? Well, in 2002, he made it clear that, yes, he did exist, and yes, all of that did, in fact, happen. In an effort to save some time while simultaneously covering as much ground as possible, we are going to burn through the list of Rob Van Winkle television appearances, which start in 2002 with Celebrity Boxing. He boxed Todd Bridges. If you remember, we did a whole episode on the Celebrity Boxing, uh, and he went by the name Bipolar. <laughs> like, still, yeah. he's like, oh, that's cool, man. It's like ice, but, like, I'm crazy. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, being crazy, you know, I'm schizo, bro. <laughs> Don't mess. I'm schizo. Yeah, but like bipolar. Like I'm borderline. Like it's not. It doesn't have the same thing as like psycho does. You know. Yeah. Um. That's like he, that's like when Drake made that song called "I'm Upset." Oh God. Now uh, he appeared on five episodes of Hollywood Squares, eight episodes of The Farm, and three episodes of Celebrity Bull Riding Challenge, which sounds incredible. Uh, wherever, wherever I can find that, um, I will be looking. He appeared yeah. in the insane, as seen on TV tape, "The Hip Hop Witch," which um, we, I think we've mentioned that once before. Maybe we mentioned it on Podcast 99, but the Hip Hop Witch was playing off of the Blair Witch, you know, sensation. And it was like someone with a camera backstage at like all these major rap concerts was like, yo, so tell me about the Hip Hop Witch. Like, like I heard you got a crazy story and it'd be Eminem like, shit's crazy, yo. Like fucking the Hip Hop Witch, like shit's real, yo. Like, and like no one, it's like all made on the fly. Do you know about this? No, no. Dude. dude it's like all made on the fucking fly where it's like like just whatever backstage these guys could get to and they're just like okay so we're doing this thing to hip-hop witch and like go and then like these people just have to like make up some shit about the oh. hip-hop witch it's uh it's it's a great <laughs> it's, it's a great little gem <laughs> uh, he had a cameo in the new guy uh as well now, in 2004, he appeared on the second season of The Surreal Life, which we talked about on our, um, you know, Flavor of Love, Rock of Love 
series. Mm -hmm. uh, it's mm -hmm. nuts. And in 2007, he came back to the surreal life in the competition revamp known as Fame Games. Both of these seasons are fucking insane. He has such an anger problem. And like when you come into the surreal life house, there's like an Andy Warhol esque like collage of pictures of all the stars like back in their heyday and dude he like by the end of the season like his pictures are like torn up spray painted on like everyone else's is, are, are untouched and he just destroys his and then in fame games uh they bring in like some strippers at one point as like a uh -huh. goof and uh, one of the strippers by the way is heather from rock of love but um like in I Love Money <laughs> and Rock Love Charm School. God damn it. I'm, I'm doing the whole episode again now. <laughs> you, yeah, I, I, my see, brain I, is broken, see, dude. See, this is, this is, that's your affliction, right? Like, me, it's <laughs> like affliction. listening to, to, to all, you have, you're the reality shows. I'm listening to all the, the terrible Vanilla Ice albums from 2011. Right. So, yeah. We're, so, yeah. We're the it, same. Uh, also on uh, Surreal Life, um, I think it's the Fame Games one. It might just be... No, maybe it's maybe it's just the the actual surreal life, but uh, they and then we talked about this, but I gotta say it again. Vanilla Ice, you know, they they, they all have to take a job at Mel's Diner in West Hollywood, right? It's like an old school mm -hmm. diner, and they each have their own jobs. Like Vanilla Ice is in the kitchen with with someone. One, some of them are the waiters, some of them are this that, and Gary Coleman is brought in to be like the manager, and he's like mm -hmm. trying to take it seriously. Like I think he thought that like he got the job like for real and he had to do good as a restaurant manager but yeah. vanilla ice picks him up and dangles him over the deep fryer and like makes him say what you're uh, talking about willis that's incredibly uncomfortable it is full well, it's not you dude surreal life is full of those moments dude especially when it comes to little people because you have gary coleman you know sh very short in stature being dangled over a fucking fryer by vanilla ice who doesn't understand you just don't pick up humans and then yeah. there, there's a fight between china and Vern troyer in another season yeah. where she's literally like your midget deal with it and he's like that's not the right word you don't you don't, don't, don't say that and it's like the biggest lady on earth versus the smallest man <laughs> like it is very very uncomfortable and you think after like the whole Suge Knight thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like I wonder if that's how he apologized. Like, I know what it's like to be dangled. I'm sorry. Like, sorry, uh, man. Yeah, <laughs> it was like be dangled <laughs> over. Yeah. Damn. So in 2009, Damn. he starred in his own home renovation show, The Vanilla Ice Project. I believe that was on the DIY Network. Uh, th that show, by the way, went on for like nine fucking seasons. Okay, it's crazy yeah. how popular. Uh, I mean, granted, it's the DIY network. Like, how many people watch that? You know, it's like CMT. Mm -hmm. Like, not that many people watch it, but it's a loyal fan base. So, yeah, uh, the Vanilla Ice Project. He was also on, a, he had his own show called Vanilla Ice Goes Amish. Where oh, he, my God. Where he, like, goes Amish. <laughs> like, it's like, like, what the fuck? Um, Being just, like, super pop culture fascinated with Amish and just be like, that also feels so nine. Like, let's, like, like I feel like it was in so many comedies. Like, like yeah. you got to have a gag where like all of a sudden there's an Amish person. Cultural misunderstanding. Yeah, you know? what? Like, yeah, like Vanilla Ice is like what? Like I can't like uh, fucking watch I can't, a I can't TV. Watch porn? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He appeared in several films, usually as himself. Uh, these films include, but are not limited to, The Ridiculous Six, That's My Boy, uh, The Wrong Missy, and Sandy Wexler. I mean, dude, this is not like a stellar lineup right here. Dude, have you seen Sandy Wexler? No. Man, so you know, because like, I feel like 
Adam Sandler kind of had this huge comeback with uh, Uncut Gems because like before Uncut Gems, like he had this series of net this Netflix deal. Oh yeah, he made this like insane amount of money and then produced like five of like his worst rated movies ever. Um, and one of them was the ridiculous six that he got in a lot of hot water for because like it involved like filming like a bunch of Native Americans because no. it was like a yeah. cowboy movie and like a hundred people like walked off the set. Um, but <laughs> Dude, Sandy more walked out of the fucking theaters if it played there. <laughs> yeah. But Sandy Wexler, I've like watched a little bit of some of these this Netflix run. Like I feel like it's kind of a dump in its own because it it feels like he just was like. I just made so much money. I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I feel like. And Sandy Wexler is this just, I mean, it's hard to watch, but it, it basically he plays like a washed up talent agent in Hollywood, but he gets oh, all that's right. of the nineties people to be in it and talking about this fake Sandy Wexler character, like Chris Rock, Arsenio Hall, Terry Crews, like so many people are in this movie. Vanilla Ice. Vanilla Ice. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. okay. Like also the wrong Missy, that's a David Spade vehicle. So it's like for like Adam, I guess fucking Happy Madison or fucking Adam Sandler's whole crew just like really likes Vanilla Ice. And uh That's My Boy is another Adam Sandler movie that got panned. It's Adam Sandler and uh Andy Samberg. And, and Andy Samberg did Ross Trent from SNL, which I was saying, you know, reminded me of Ross the song. Boom, boom. Yep. But like uh Adam Sandler's like a roadie and like a shitty dad and he's like trying to, you know, get involved in his son's life. It, it's fucking mm. not good. Uh now, speaking of not good, uh Vanilla Ice performed at Mar-a-Lago, the Don you know, at Donald Trump's mansion on New Year's mm. Eve twenty twenty, right at the height of COVID, and so everyone's like, What the fuck? And like <laughs> I, I you know, but Vanilla Ice, I mean, he's not gonna give a shit like about getting in trouble anymore. He's already mm -hmm. gotten as much shit as one could possibly get. <laughs> so mm -hmm. like, fuck it. Like, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like he's just gonna do whatever and you know, throw caution yeah. to the wind. So it's funny you brought that up about Trump because then as I was looking up the music, I couldn't, you know, his last released album is Wisdom, Truth, Focus or whatever it is uh, in 2011. I was like, okay, so now it's been a minute since he released an album. But then I, f I found that he's done some songs more recently. Like he did a song with Kodak Black, which is kind of amazing. And he's done a what? song with Rick Ross. Yeah. But then he's done. A, uh, he has sort of gotten into like what I call hip hop, which is like right. it's like you know Waffle House camo, and it's like big <laughs> trucks. Waffle uh, House core. I mean, this stuff's gotten really popular. Like on the flip side, like Lil Nas X doing his cowboy rap song was kind of like the more like pop version of that. But there's totally been just like rednecks doing like redneck trap for a while you know right and so i guess it makes sense like the eat shit yeah um so he's been collaborating with this guy named forgiato blow and i forgiato i think is like a automotive like custom car company thing i'm not really sure exactly what forgiato is i think they like trick out your cars or whatever um but anyway, this Forgiato Blow guy, I went on a whole rabbit hole for because this guy 
during the 2020 election just completely went from like, yeah, I'm just like a party redneck rapper to being like, he calls himself the mayor of MAGAville. And he is literally <laughs> in the last like two or three years since Biden's been president has released like 10 albums. Um, and, like his just full, like they're all MAGA. It's like he has, um, he just released a song called Ohio Water. Uh, based oh, wow. on the uh, train crash in Ohio, and now we're getting like political because well, that's there was like this... the thing, like like with some of those. It's just like um, topical rap. Like it's like it's whatever very... is in the news right now. I'm gonna you got to go as quick as possible because basically what happened is that uh, you know there was this horrible train accident uh, in Ohio, and uh, Biden, you know, to some like we're not a really a political podcast, but Biden hasn't really been responding. Uh, at all and like hadn't really visited or done anything to it even though it seems like it was a pretty disastrous thing so it's trump, pretty fucked up so trump i guess saw this as like an opportunity to be like i'm gonna go you know to ohio because that's gonna make me look good to do this. <laughs> that'll help so um trump has done that so like i've found that like so now this ohio thing has been like this new like the train crash has been like a new sort of like let's go brandon fuck joe biden thing um, because just because Trump visited, you know, yeah, and of course. But so it's kind of that level. Like this guy, Forgiato Blow, has an album called "Let's Go Brandon," and it has like the um, Trump photoshopped onto Rambo's uh, body, which I, I don't like. <laughs> and it's just it's just interesting, like how many like this particular album, or it's like I guess maybe it's a an EP. It's seven songs. First song is called Let's Go Brandon. Second song is called Let's Go Brandon Slide. Third song is called <laughs> FBI Let's Go Brandon. Fourth song, Let's Go Brandon Tribe. Fifth song, Let's Go Brandon I Agree. Sixth song, <laughs> Let's Go Brandon Christmas. And Whoa. then the seventh song is called Fuck Joe Biden. Um, and the thing <laughs> about the, this, the, the big payoff at the end. The thing about this Forgiato Blow guy is like, I would have never known who this person was without vanilla ice i'm so happy that i know who he is he's released so much music but something about it because he's so topical and he's releasing so much um he's releasing like so much music like and even just those titles it feels like a robot like it feels like a bot yeah it's right? like ai like, generated like like yeah we need like right wing rap like put it be in the computer go be like, because yeah, like exactly. naming having seven songs that are all just like variations of let's go brandon <laughs> let's it's go like, brandon i agree dude <laughs> yeah like it feels like it's like one of these songs will get you right like it's crazy but he is i'm looking dude he has released like 40 or 50 so what like songs. is vanilla ice on his albums or like what, what's their vanilla like? so vanilla ice is not on the albums to my knowledge i will say i want like there's a documentary about 4g auto blow and in it i think it mentions how he is i think he was maybe like vanilla ice's hype man or something oh. and there is actually footage of him being ice's hype man at a vanilla ice concert Maybe it was the Mar-a-Lago concert. Maybe. I don't know. That Maybe that's sense. how they met. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, anyway. he, he's you know <laughs> released a you know bunch of albums at this point. He's doing he's doing that shit. But we got one more list to burn through. His unsurprising rap sheet. Now I'm gonna just I have the uh, hard copy here in my hands. Um, oh, also, um, I just wanted to you know for reference the Vanilla Ice Project. It ran from 2009 or no no it. it uh, 
Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In two thousand nine, it premiered in, in two thousand ten. Uh, filmed in two thousand nine. It ended in two thousand nineteen, dude. That show was on for almost a fucking decade. Wow. <laughs> like his his home renovation show. Um, and also in two thousand sixteen, he was on Dancing with the Stars uh, season twenty three, but he got eliminated. So why do we know all this shit about Vanilla Ice? Because we have horrible. a research assistant who helped us a lot on the, on this one, and that's what we do here at Culture Dumps, baby. Yeah. So legal issues. Let's let's start from the top. Arrested in South Dallas for illegal drag racing. That was in 1988. Uh, you know the the copyright infringement thing. Uh, and then 1991, arrested in L.A. for threatening a homeless man with a pistol, and his uh, he and his bodyguard were charged with uh, weapons offenses. Then in 2001, arrested for assaulting his wife, Laura. Uh, apparently what happened uh, is they were driving and they were arguing in the car and she was going to jump out of the car in a you know, heated rage and he grabbed her by her hair to pull her back in and things, things went south. Uh, doesn't sound too good. He pleaded uh, to disorderly conduct and was sentenced to probation and had to go to family therapy. Now, this one's really fucking crazy. In 2004, his pet Wallaroo, Bucky, and his pet goat, Poncho, escaped from his wife's grandmother's home in Florida, and he was fined $220 for expired pet tags and an undisclosed fine for the escape of his animals. A Wallaroo is a fucking, like, a kangaroo, dude. Like, it, it's, it's like a little baby kangaroo. Like, he had that and a goat, and they got Bucky and Poncho. That's a Pixar movie. Yeah. Vanilla Ice's <laughs> pets escaping to go on a wonderful adventure, and it's a little baby kangaroo type thing and a goat. It, that's that's butts and seats, dude. That's tickets sold. Like Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe he should. Yeah. <laughs> and also, he's just like, yeah, this is my Wallaroo. Its name is Bucky. Like, what? Like it, it's It's out of control. <laughs> yeah. Now, in 2007, he appeared in court in West Palm Beach after being arraigned for driving with an expired license. And uh, he was speeding. That's how he got caught. He was doing 74 and a 45, uh, using the carpool lane alone and having uh, limo-tinted windows. So just every, like, teenage offense you can make in a car, he got hit with at once. Um, Then in 2008, he was arrested for kicking and hitting his wife. Uh, she insisted that he only pushed her, though, and he was released. A neighbor said that it was just a verbal argument. This is all. This is very messy, you know. Um, and yeah. Ice was told basically to stay away from his wife, and he could only talk to her on the phone uh, and only communicate with his children if a neighbor was with them. That lasted for a while, but then the charges were dropped. Uh, he was arrested again in February of 2015 for residential burglary and grand theft after he stole furniture, a pool heater, bikes, and other things from a Florida home that he thought was vacant. And he assumed that the items were left behind as trash. <laughs> like, nice. Like, just drives by, sees a house with the garage open, essentially, with all this shit, and he's like, doesn't look like anyone lives here. Better take this fucking pool heater and these bikes <laughs> so he gets busted just for that like stars they're just like us yeah he uh he had to do 100 hours of community service and had to pay uh like about 1300 bucks uh to, to the homeowner uh it, so that that's that's his lengthy uh <laughs> legal record there dude yeah. jesus christ i can't get over the the his pets escaping though so yeah. <laughs> what does it all mean i guess it means be yourself but if the money's right, be whoever the big wigs tell you to be. Despite 
Despite his reputation as a big white scar on the face of hip-hop, he was truly an original, until he wasn't. There is something to be said for someone who refuses to give in to the public's perception of them and unabashedly lives their life as a Van Winkle as opposed to an Ice. As I said at the beginning of the series, Vanilla Ice flew too close to the sun, but many of us never even get off the ground. And for that, Vanilla Ice is worth a little bit more respect than he is usually given. Yeah. Just despite the, the shady uh, criminal yeah. history. Yeah. There that's been... I was like, I like him. I mean, now that I found out, you know, he beats his wife. Yeah, uh, that that's not good. Um, and, but... and another thing that I think we can learn <laughs> yeah. from this is, you know, when the cards are on the table and, and life's got you down and, and it's, you know, you're losing your record deals and the whole world fucking is laughing in your face. Stop, collaborate and listen and make a brand new invention, dude. You know, like, like just, oh, just reinvent yourself lie. and, and keep lie. on going, you know, because if vanilla ice doesn't work out, you can be Rob Van Winkle and you can go Amish. So, yeah, with that being said, uh, do please sign up to our Patreon, patreon.com slash culture dumps for all sorts of exclusive podcast 99 and culture dumps content. You can send us an email at culture dumps at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at culture dumps. I'm Ryan Lichten and I'm Parks Miller. Keep on dumping. Watch the little boy that in me pack a gun. This 